welcome once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 44. Coming out a little bit later than usual this week. Bear with me. We'll we'll do our best to get back to a Sunday night release or Monday morning. I'm trying to accommodate some of the guests here, so we have great guests every week, which I have delivered, over delivered, and will continue to do so. And thanks for all those who have been tuning in. Please spread the word. This show and my YouTube show under Max Pretos, improving. The growth is there, and you guys are a huge part of it. But as always, a reminder to please rate, review, download, and share the Soccer OG. This week, we have a lot of different things to discuss. Joining me in the business end, former Newcastle United defender, handsome devil, and now... U.S. soccer analyst Warren Barton, who I've worked with some in LAFC games. He's working with Fox in all likelihood working with the World Cup. He won't tell me, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be on that roster for Fox. So we'll talk about a great many things, including his former team, Newcastle, and how they will look to become the next big thing in the Premier League, joining that top tier. Later on stoppage time, uh, it, I was able to listen in on the Don Garber State of the League address for Major League Soccer. We'll talk about where it stands. The MLS Cup final is this weekend. The business of MLS, the media deal that is coming, which is very important to me, as well as uh, expansion. All that, and we'll get into the big topics of the week here coming up in moments. I'm going to talk about Jesse Marsh and the plight of American coaching in Europe. What does his dismissal it Leipzig, or it was a parting of the ways. Well, I don't know how they phrase it. He's he's out. What does that mean for U.S. coaching with Chris Armas getting a job? Uh, what does that do at Manchester United? So all that. And I'll talk a little West Ham United because what a game. This is the Soccer OG. Good to have you. That's right. West Ham United. Uh, Masuaku with one of the goals all-time goals hitting this schross cross whatever crot whatever you call it looked like a, a shot or a cross almost said something offensive i apologize and it turned out to be a game-winning goal against then top of the ladder chelsea west ham united folks this is a fearless team they go after the big boys they're getting results against the big boys they are currently in the top four i don't think they'll finish in the top four but they're doing it while playing in the europa league what an incredible achievement also recording this just before the Champions League, a reminder, coming up on Wednesday on the Soccer OG YouTube, I will talk about Christian Pulisic. He's playing Wednesday in uh, the final match day for Chelsea, or maybe not playing. I imagine he does because he's been coming off the bench in league play. It's time for him to find a new club, and it appears Chelsea are willing to listen to offers, but what offers are there? There's This is an incredible uh, development in many ways because it's such an oddity and everything has to fall in line when this much money is at stake and they're not going to just give him away. So that is the beginning of a series where American stars in Europe should end up next and we'll start with Christian Pulisic for obvious reasons. I always do that big inhale. People say, hey man, every time you do this big inhale, I go, you may do it. I don't know. It's just, a, I'm, I should probably stop it. But I think it's charming in its its own way. I don't want to get too diluted with so many topics, but a lot happened this weekend. Uh, Roma, how long, much longer for Jose Mourinho there? I mean, Jose Mourinho, as he's done in his last two destinations, hot start and then brew. No adjustment in the way he does things. It's going to be uh, a matter of time in my estimation. U.S. team roster, I do have a YouTube video up Currently, under Max Bretos, breaking down the team that will be in the December camp. Who could seize their opportunity? You got to keep these guys active. The MLS season is completed. Congratulations to the Portland Timbers and New York City FC for making the final. It's very important to have good teams in LA. It's very important to have good teams in New York City. As much as I hate the New York fandom. Hey! Hey! How about them Giants? Did you see Lawrence Taylor? I'm, some dated references here. So uh, it's good to have that there. So, And we'll talk more about it when I, I have stoppage time talking about the Don Garber address. There is uh, big news that certainly applies to all of us I wanted to touch on, and that's about Jesse Marsh uh, out at uh, Leipzig. 
There is a, a really nice article in The Athletic by Raf Honigstein. So when he released it, we talked about it. And uh, the, the title of the article, There's Not Much Football Competence at Red Bull Arena. To give some background for those who don't understand or may not be aware of it, I'm sure it's easy to understand. This is Red Bull, the energy drink. Dietrich Mateschitz, who is at the top of this, he has created a sporting kingdom, which includes these Red Bull um, air races, Red Bull Formula One, which is doing very well, and a big soccer empire with Red Bull at the top. Leipzig is the uh, the top tier of this connection. We've talked about in the past, you have Red Bull Salzburg, where Jesse Marsh was prior and was doing exceptionally well. Then you have Red Bull Bragantino in Brazil. You have New York Red Bulls in Major League Soccer. All have had some differing levels of success, but overall, Red Bull in football has been very good. Leipzig, semifinalists in the Champions League a couple years ago, perennially in the Champions League. They are uh, a high-pressure job. That's why which made this from Jesse Marsh so incredible. And we hold our breath. And the big question we ask about this is how will it affect future hirings of American managers? We had the Bob Bradley situation, which was another uh, uh, Raph Honigstein really talking about the dysfunction currently at Leipzig. This isn't their finest hour. That dysfunction at Swansea as well. And these American coaches, and yeah, they obviously didn't do a great job um, in the crosshairs and have to pay the price. And they carry the burden of being American coaches. And I can argue with this to I can argue with you till I'm blue in the face about this there is that perception and they'll roll the eyes some European countries less than others but if you've got to be kidding if someone says hey why don't we hire um who's a good young coach well let's why don't we hire Jason Christ I'm sorry I couldn't think of anyone I was drawing a blank but imagine he was doing very well right oh, let's hire Jim Curtin let's that's a better example let's hire Jim Curtin and they go, I guarantee you, without any real connection, they will say, well, Bob Bradley, Jesse Marsh, I don't know. I guarantee you that would come up in these conversations. He would not have a coaching uh, candidate on his own merits. I promise you that. I promise you that. So uh, Oliver Mitzlaff, who is the uh, CEO at Leipzig, um, he talked about how Jesse Marsh, team never 100% convinced about uh, how to play, and then there was a lot of in, inner rumblings from the players about how it, it was a different system they were not used to uh, under Julian Nagelsmann. And you think of the great coaches that have come through Leipzig and Ralph Ragnick and uh, Hassan Hutzel all moved on. This is a club that sold a lot of their players, not to make any excuses. Uh, Upa Makano, Konate, and Sabitzer off the team. Sabitzer is a leader. That was a leadership group, certainly. And it left Jesse Marsh a little bit in... Uh, a situation where he had to adjust to what the players demanded. And that is documented in the Honigstein article. And when you do that, you oh, eventually you're going to be lost. They saw the big picture. The players were complaining. Jesse Marsh is out. I will say, thank goodness for the German slash Austrian interests because they are the ones that are giving Americans really good opportunities. We've seen it in the Bundesliga. So... That probably is the best path to go through. We've seen it with players. We've seen it with coaches. The Germans certainly give you, even though this Leipzig situation is not a good turn for that. And of course, we had the news of Chris Armas being brought in by Ralph Rangnick, a German, to be part of the Manchester United staff, which is already being ridiculed in Great Britain. <laughs> like anyone cares who these assistants are and how much work he's going to be doing. Uh, it's, it's already just been head scratching and, and pundits are talking about it to, to make the point that I had earlier. That was great news. And coming off the Jesse Marsh situation, uh, it was like a relief, certainly, because, all right, we have we have a horse in the race back in Europe at the biggest club in Europe in Manchester United. But it's an assistant. But again, it's the German pipeline that is opening the doors because they have seen it and they trust Americans and we're eternally grateful. We'll see the English have never had that open door with regards to it. And the Bob Bradley situation gave them all the the ammunition to go to town even though Bob was put in a, in a really awful situation there and he even said it, he goes I wish they never called me so uh we wish Bob Bradley all the best in Toronto FC though great guy 
great coach. Learned so much with these here. Gate, we had our great football conversations. I'm going to miss those. So what is next for Jesse Marsh? And people are saying, why does he come to MLS? Hey, the LAFC job is open. I go, wait a minute. You've worked 10 years, not 10, six, seven years to get your foot in the door in Europe, and now you're going to come back to MLS? That's not on the cards. After putting all that time learning the German language for his stints in Salzburg and Leipzig, Jesse Marsh probably should take some time off and come back and see if he can get on. There's going to be work. It may not be as big a name of Leipzig. It might be in the Bundesliga. It might be in a division lower. It might be a situation. Who knows that a club with aspirations there wants to come up to Bundesliga. But I think he's in there. And anyone who just coached Leipzig is going to be a top candidate for other clubs. This doesn't mean the end of the road in Germany. Not at all. We got to remember the stature of Leipzig and Jesse Marsh's success in Salzburg. There will be a job for him. I hope the best for Jesse. He's a wonderful man himself, and he's he has earned this so many times over. But he has that's probably his best bet. Stay there, be available, maybe get on a staff, eventually be a head coach again. We're gonna get into the business end, folks. The soccer OG. Rate, review, download, subscribe. Warren Barton joins me next. Welcome back here to the Soccer OG. I call this the business end, and I welcome in Warren Barton, good friend. I say good friend first, good friend. The guy likes to rile it up a little bit. I put that second, then I put world-class, world-class fullback third, and then I put former Newcastle. Is that a good order for you? And then and I should put your, your great TV work near the top as well. Yeah, that, that, that would be nice. It doesn't matter what order, at least you put them in that. You know, some sort of order would be nice, Max. But I don't have you, I don't have five you know, items on my list. You have five. <laughs> you have, you don't have one. Yeah. You're to get one. Have a one. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for having me on, my friend. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we've been I know we've been working a lot here with, with some LAFC, and you've been you're keeping your, like all of us keeping our eyes on so many leagues. And I mean, obviously, so. But what do you do? You ever stop with all these games? Because I'm like. I always take a peek at the schedule and there's obviously Champions League going on. I go, what's the leagues doing? They have a full docket this weekend. Then they have another midweek round and then they have the inner, uh, as a, I mean, as a players, these guys, I mean, I, I guess it's good because they don't have to train as much because it's game, 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 but this has got to take a toll, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, going back to my time is when you'd play domestically your, your league games. I mean, the holiday period now in the oh, UK yeah. is it, going to be crazy where you play on the 26th, you play on the 28th, you play on the 30th and you play on the 1st or the 2nd. So, you know, th- there's no rest for the wicked. Um, but as a player, they do come thick and fast and most players would want to play every game. But touching a bit, Max, you remember when we first started with, with Fox, you know, the Premier League or the Champions League, that was it. But now you get the Bundesliga, Serie A. I mean, I'm doing the Arab Cup. You know, there's there's leagues that league MX now that you can get on TV. I mean, there's so many chances now watch soccer 24/7, which is magnificent. But you you never really can sometimes appreciate the game because you're thinking about the next one that's coming along. You're, you're preparing for the next game, particularly MLS. You know, that's come along. We've got uh, you know the, the final. So, but as a player, you look forward to the games. You know, obviously some more than others. International, then you start now a World Cup that's going to be halfway through a season in uh, next November. So, um, you know, for, for players, it, it's challenging. Uh, this rotation system that has come in with the squads that was uh, getting stronger and stronger, they can bring players in, the likes of Man City, Chelsea uh, and Liverpool. But it's, it's harder for some of the other teams. But it, it's great as a player that you're playing on different levels, different uh, tournaments. The FA Cup starts kicking in as well, which is another big tournament in the UK. So, yeah, as I said, it comes thick and fast. But... The Christmas holiday period was always a great time as a player because you look forward to the big games, great atmosphere. Everyone's had a few sherries after the game, so they're, they're oh, the players games. after the game, the, the oh, fans, the game. yeah, the fan, yeah, the fans before the game and during the game will <laughs> have a little squig here and there. But yeah, just just good times, good good fun times. Is that your go-to a sherry? A nice little no, little whiskey. Little okay, whiskey. good. Little I, hit, I, little I, hit. Not a sherry. <laughs> I don't know anyone who drinks sherry. I want to. I want to be that person. You know what? Sherry seems like the drink you have when it's really, really cold outside, and it'll just warm you up a bit. Is that fair? Or, 
or you're really, really drunk and you just want something else <laughs> after dinner. You know, you, you, you've, got, you've gone through the champagne, you've had the wine, you've had the brandy, just give me a sherry. That's oh. the next one on the list. Very good. What's <laughs> left on the bar? Okay, what is, what is this stuff? All right. I like That's the label. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, I, by the way, I, you may be thinking not, people, not many people are watching the uh, Arab Cup, but I did. I believe I was watching Oman, Qatar, and then lo and behold... Justin Bieber's there watching it. So Justin Bieber could tell you about the Oman 11. And his outfit that he wore was outrageous, by the way. You could only wear that over there. It was it was outrageous. But yeah, someone like Jason Bieber now is into the Jason, Jason Bieber, Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber, yeah. Well, I'm calling him Jason. I'm calling him Jason. <laughs> that was his brother. <laughs> oh, by the way, your point about, I, I made it about the players, but you switched it back to us broadcasters, which I thought was very fair because we got to watch all these games. If you're in the Premier League as a player, you just have to play in the Premier League. But like, we have to watch eight leagues. Does My wife looks at me like, everything's on soccer. I can't take this. She got, it's, not, it's not helping our, our, our marriage any. Like right now it's on four TVs, my phone, my laptop. And she's like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm going, I'm going to Target. I'm getting out of the house. Yeah, there's another, it might be keeping you together because if she spends four hours with you, she, she'd want to disappear for a lot longer. But <laughs> you're very no, you're right. right. You're right. I mean, I wake up in the morning, six o'clock, you get, you're going around the house and you're putting a Premier League on, and all of a sudden, like, you put the MLS will come on there, and you think, oh, League of Max is on at like eight yes. o'clock. So I'll end up watching that as well. And she's thinking, yeah, we never, even when I played, she said, you never watched as much now as you, as you did when you played. It was like, Play the game, right? Let's get away from it now. Let's chill out. Let's relax about something else. But now you're watching it. But as I said, it's it's on all day long. I mean, our house with three boys in there. If they're not watching college football, NBA, NFL, you know, baseball, soccer, you know, so my wife has got no chance. Yeah, I had to cut out all the American sports because I just it was too much. But uh, I had to cut off a little of the soccer because it's a little bit heavy. These 15 minute highlight packages have been very helpful, by the way. So I see those at the end of a Saturday and Sunday for some of the games I wasn't able to watch. And but look, to your point, when uh, when you're covering a sport, like if you're covering the NFL, you have one league, college football, one league, NBA. Soccer, It's you can cover one league, but you'd be crazy to in this country where there's so much opportunity with being able to cover these leagues. Max, I'll ask you a question, because in the UK, if you're covering soccer, you just cover soccer. But I know you cover multiple UFC or you might do some basketball, you might do some. So as an analyst, you're, you're okay. You're just concentrating on the game and the different leagues. But some of you guys that I work with, uh, that I've got to know really well, that you might be on a Thursday doing Europa Cup, but on a Friday night, you've got a UFC fight that's in Thailand that you've got to go and cover that. I mean, it's-, it's I, I, I wish that was me. <laughs> yeah, or you've got another game that you have to do with a college football game, or you had to- uh, another league it's, it's hard for them people but listen we, we we can't moan the couple of years that we've had now all the sports are back in or everybody's you know looking at who's going to win the league the different styles of football and the different quality of players it's, it's it's phenomenal you know as you said we're doing the arab cup and the stadiums now you're looking at where the first game in the world cup's going to be held i mean magnificent golf courses hotels you know roads it's it's going to be a magnificent you know spectacle and this is just a little glimpse of what we're going to see yeah, but it's just never, never, it's a never ending stream of games because of the pandemic, because everything's getting squeezed, squeezed, squeezed. And now everyone's like, let's get more tournaments. We're going to have a World mm -hmm. Cup every two years. I think that's going to happen. I, I hear a lot of people pushing back, but, and I hope I'm, I mean, I, I would like a, I took a bit of a pivot here, but I would like a World Cup every two years if they got rid of some other stuff, but I'm not confident they would get rid of other stuff. No, I think Arsene Wenger has, has put that to the table. And even before when we had this European Super League, you know, we've got the Champions League. You know, Do you think that's going to come back? That will pop its ugly head up sometime. It will, yeah. Max, we spoke about this. You know, there's, there's no smoke without fire. And again, it's the money. But the, yeah. the problem was with the top six, was the, that really the top six? I think it may go as a top three or four and they might start breaking away. But it, it will start coming out. I think the World Cup, Europa mixing in but then what happens with the gold cup then what happens with you know it's when you're going to fit all these tournaments in and players that are playing in manchester then they've got to fly to rio to go and play in a tournament over there it's um as i said it's going to be tough but you know, hopefully we're involved we get the contracts hey, and we, we have to call the games yeah <laughs> do you i mentioned this as well uh, last week here and do you think there's going to be players if this 
if the schedule for the national teams becomes so demanding that maybe a high profile player at some point goes, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to stick to my club. I'm happy. I make the money. I, everyone wants to play a world cup and maybe they pop in here and there, but do you think some point they're like, all right, when they see the, the FIFA or UEFA overreaching and say, we're going to give another tournament. You are going to need you here. And you're like, wait a minute. We heard it with uh, uh, Thibaut Courtois. He kind of mentioned it, but I I think you'd never want to not represent your country, but at some point when there's demands are so heavy, you're like, yeah. And maybe you're getting a little bit older. (laughs) You're like, I'm out. You've had people like Alan Shearer that I play with and Paul Scholes at Manchester United and Jamie Carragher uh, that said, well, you know, I'm now at 31, 32. I'm going to concentrate. You know, Alan had a couple of serious injuries. Paul Scholes was, he didn't like just being a sub and wasn't playing all the time. So, and Jamie was the same. Carragher said, look, unless I'm playing every game, I don't, I'm going to concentrate on Liverpool. I'm going to concentrate on Manchester United. So it has happened. Uh, I think because of the, you know, the FIFA tournaments, the money that's involved, the spectacle that they put on, it's, it's phenomenal. They want to be involved. The Champions League is another thing that they want to be involved. I think what will happen and what's happening is that you're going to have one team for your domestic league, one roster for your domestic league. Then you're going to have a roster, obviously, for your European leagues, the Champions League. And then if it's FIFA World Cup club tournament, you'll have another roster for that. Um, And then the players will then decide whether they want to go and play a friendly game against Malta for Italy or do they want to just play against Italy and Holland. I think you're going to have that that going forward as well. So even at the national level, you might have a bit like what um, Greg's doing with the US, you know, in the winter camp, it's all MLS younger players. They can play in that tournament. And then, you know, we've seen it in the Gold Cup. They have that tournament. That, but for World Cup qualifiers, you've got the big boys. And I think that will start happening um, in Europe as well. So Mbappe won't play every World Cup qualifier. He'll play at certain games. I think that that will be a sensible thing to do. Yeah, I, it, I don't think we've had the, the sensical part kick in yet, but I look forward to it. And I think by necessity, they're going to go, look, we got to we got to give these players yeah. a break. But it's been crazy because I haven't heard anyone really say it. It's just more. Give them more. Uh, give them more. Yeah. In my time, Max, I played, I think the most I played was 62 games in a season. And that's and a lot. Said, that's yeah, a lot. And, and, you know, we said you would never put a racehorse through that <laughs> or a greyhound. You never make them run 62. But you're asking us to do that. Well, I think at the, the, the Barton racetrack, I hear you really work those greyhounds. <laughs> Get back out there. Get out there. Get out there. Keep you still going. Keep going. But, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of games. But And then you throw more depth into the tournament. And people worry why Harry Kane's not playing well this season. There's no, yeah. He's a little bit older. He's, he played a lot of soccer through the winter. He had that congested time of playing game after game through COVID. And it's not a surprise that he's not you know, performing at the level that he should do. Circling back to the Super League, we, we both agree it's going to come back up, but it may it may have a little less pop because we see what's going on with Barcelona and to a lesser degree, Real Madrid. Real Madrid's starting to play very well and uh, have these young players that are reaching the next status like Vinicius Jr., who's been incredible the last month and a half. And that, you, have, you have Bayern and PSG. The, we talked about who the big six would be in England, but you know we have this $2.8 billion deal come through for just USA rights for the Premier League. That goes to the clubs, that goes to the league, not to mention all the rights fees they have everywhere else. Uh, more and more big stars going to the Premier League. And, then I, I, and you heard people say, or they would tweet, the Super League exists, it's in England, and obviously you need some clubs to raise the standard, but my West Ham Hammers look like a team that's done it. They're in fourth place. We know Tottenham Hotspur will probably get things right. They have that huge stadium. They're going to have ambition. They're going to be very active with more money, obviously, in their pocket, which could separate them from clubs that can't spend. That would be Super League-type teams. But then you have uh, Newcastle, your club, who have new ownership, and they put a new manager. They made, it's People are going, why aren't they going crazy? They haven't had a market yet. But we expect them to pursue big names as well. Maybe Leeds, there's new ownership going there. Do you think, I mean, I, I tend to think this Premier League is going to, it's bigger than everyone else. It's just going to get bigger, but it would have more than just the four or five teams that could compete for those Champions League spots. I mean, could it be eight or nine, including your beloved Magpies? I mean, like you said, with Newcastle, with their ownership, you know, Man City's ownership is worth, I think it's 23 billion um, that they're worth as an ownership group. And PSG is something like 15 billion. The ownership of Newcastle is 300 billion. So, you know, there goes the 
the, the market value of what they're going to spend. The biggest thing is obviously Newcastle staying up. But you, what I love about the Premier League is someone like a West Ham, we've seen it with Leicester, you've seen it in the past with Blackburn, that in one particular season, you can go forward um, and win the Premier League. Um, now, if West Ham are going to do it, I don't think so. But they've had big influence, man. I didn't realise as well, someone like Everton, have had £760 million invested in their club in the last five years. Listen, it's been... And they stink. <laughs> and they stink. It's been invested poorly, but still that type of money. And, you know, me and you, Max, remember with Fox, when we was doing the TV rights there, it was like £75 million over six years, and that was it. And now you're talking about £2.2 for NBC to get the rights. And I was chairman of the PFA in 90... Sorry, 2002, 2003... And we was doing the TV rights there. And they were saying, well, if we get anywhere close to a billion pounds, that's going to be phenomenal. And that was worldwide. <laughs> uh, and we got the rights. We got, you know, now that's just gone you know, to five billion uh, where it's gone through. So, you know, what would be really interesting in this Champions League, you know, last year, you know, with Bayern Munich, PSG, uh, other clubs that have been in it, Chelsea, obviously, Man City. If the Premier League starts dominating the Champions League, then there's going to be questions about Bayern Munich. Is it Bayern Munich and Dortmund or Leipzig now, who are 11th in the league? Will you throw Leipzig into that? Uh, you know, Atletico Madrid are close to not making the knockout stages, which Barcelona may not make the knockout stages in the And Champions may not league. qualify next year. They may I not qualify. So, or... so, you know, that's where the Premier League is. And that's why everybody's worried about and wanting to do the Super League because at least they can get a piece of that pie, you know, whether it's teams in Holland, Portugal, Spain, because at the moment, everything's going to the Premier League um, because it is exciting, because it's got arguably some of the best coaches in the world and best players in the world and the atmosphere and the pace of the game and, and the excitement in the game uh, that, that people gravitate to because that's what they want to be part of. I, I, I think the, I mean, the Premier League could get even bigger. If, if, if anyone really wants that, I don't know if they want it to be even bigger if there was a Super League, because it, would, it wouldn't, we had the protest, but it doesn't really affect the Premier League. It affects more the Champions League. And if you could, there's, right now, there's only going to be four Premier League teams in the Champions League, which kind of limits them because they could probably have six that could do pretty well right now. They could get that in the Super League. And, there was a, a lot of arguments about, well, you're not going to get these great stories. And yeah, there are great stories like Sheriff and Club Bruja had a, a result and Young Boys beat Manchester United, but those teams have a good day and then they kind of go away. I will say Ajax have been great. Uh, Red Bull Salzburg have been great. They can make the round of 16, but at the end, we kind of get the Super League. I don't see that changing. So I, I, I like to have those good stories, but I still want the good teams at the end, I would like to see more Premier League teams. I would like to maybe, I don't know if I would see more from La Liga, possibly. Uh, but I, that seems like a more compelling tournament, big picture going forward. I don't know how it would look. And the Champions League is as powerful as it is. But the, if it was a Premier League, Super League game week, I'm like batting down the hatches. My, my line would you be then, Max, is like, when we play these World Cup qualifiers, you know, you have these qualification games where Gibraltar should be playing. So you can't really put Gibraltar against Holland and it ends up being 9-0. Or they play Germany and it's 10-0 against some. So what you would maybe do with the bigger club and to cut down the games is that these smaller teams in this domestic league, they would play a knockout stage. And I think that would be quite exciting yeah. where you'd have maybe like a final playing, like you do in Europa a little bit, but they play in to get into the Champions League. Like, because of the history, you know, Liverpool, Man City, PSG, whoever, will be automatically in the, the last 18 or the last 16, whatever it may be, 16 teams. And then the rest of them can play in from that. And then you can, that's where you can generate money to. But then you look at someone like Young Boys who had their moment against Man United, scoring a goal in the last minute, Ronaldo's on the pitch. That's their history. That will go down as part of their history that they beat the arguably one of the biggest clubs in the world, they've beaten 2-1, and that's part of their history. If you take that away from that, they will never have that TV rights and that money again, unless you can compensate that by playing a playoff game or they're playing a league. But again, who would buy the rights to watch, you know, Sheriff, Feyenoord, and you know, you're not <laughs> going to want to watch that. But you would watch the playoff game to get into that. It's like in a championship, when you have the likes of maybe this season, you might have 
Queen's Park Rangers against Sheffield Wednesday for the championship playoff game, which is at the end of May, that can be like a $200 million uh, game to play into the championship. That's, that gets great figures because people watch that. That one-off game, if you win that game, it gets you into the promised land, which is the Premier League, which gets you in there for a year and then yeah, you're, not so- getting beat, you're not getting beat 5-0 every week and you come down and get the parachute money. So... You know, they That's are the, trying the, to work Nor- the Norwich yeah. plan. The Norwich plan, yeah. West Brom, get up, go down, get up, go down. We'll be right back. Yeah. We'll be back in a year, and then we'll go away for another year. Buy me a beer, keep it there at the pub. I'll be back in a year. Thanks, mate. Yeah. Don't keep me too long. It might go warm. It might go warm. That's how you guys drink it, isn't it? You like a nice warm beer, so it'll be warm to perfection, though. It's like, it's you like American life, life, you like a cold beer. Yeah, as long as it's wet, we don't mind. I was English. I've now seen I can't talk about it. Now I'm thirsty. Great. Yeah. Uh, it's still, we're, I mean, it's like it's 12.30 in the afternoon here on the West Coast when we're it's doing never this. Stopped, it's never stopped you before. It's never stopped you before. <laughs> well, it has It has now, Warren, because if I do it, some people go, hey, we'll have a beer for lunch. And then come at 3, 4 o'clock, guess who needs a two-hour nap? This guy. Uh, so wow. I cannot, I can't afford naps at this age. I got to keep going. I can sleep at night. So we'll see. And I want to, I don't want the Super League. I'm just, it's compelling when I think about a tournament where you could get in one match day, Bayern versus Chelsea and Real Madrid versus Bayern and Liverpool versus Atletico. You know, those things, they're really good. But look, my favorite moments of the Champions League historically are always that Sheriff uh, result in in match day one. Obviously the young boys and, uh, see, you know, Atalanta, who wouldn't be a, a Super League team by any means, is just a fantastic watch. And I would like that. I just, I also want to be realistic because I think progress is going to bulldoze all of this because it's done it in the past where we've said, there's no way they're going to have a 48 team World Cup. There's no way they're going to do this. And all of it's happened. Yeah, I mean, the Premier League will not want that to happen because obviously at the moment, like you've just touched on, they're, they're the biggest league in the world, the most popular league. So they won't want that to happen. And, and what the backlash was in the UK was the tradition of the clubs. You know, there's some big clubs like, you know, Leeds now have got promoted, but, you know, Nottingham Forest is a big club. Aston Villa was down there. Wolves have come up. All clubs that have been big clubs in the past and have said, well, if you leave, you're not going to be part of our, our heritage and our history. So that was played into the, and I think the backlash of the fans as well was the, the ownerships didn't expect that. Um, yeah, they wilted but, quick. <laughs> yeah, they, they changed their minds very, very quickly. Um, <laughs> but I can see, you know, Spain, I can see it. Portugal, I can see it. You know, France, I can see it. Um, they might have but, to do something. <laughs> yes, they might have to do something different. Uh, parallel they, with the Premier yeah, League. They, you know, like, like I said, a European, a European league against the Premier League. Um, now you would have watched that. You would have won Real Madrid, PSG play twice twice a season. So, that, that you know, there's lots of things that they're all looking at. Um, and again, with Arsene Wenger saying a World Cup every two years, you know, that some people may say that's great because people's cycle of being injured, getting old, you, you're going to play more World Cups. Um, yeah, I mean, the more soccer for me, the better. But obviously it has to be at a, a high level. But, you know, um, money talks, match. you know that. It is. And it's that, big yeah. money. It's all it's in those money. rights fees. It's not coming down to the broadcasters as much as it should, I must say. You yeah. know, they should come down like, you know, every game, $50,000 to call Oman and Bahrain. Probably won't happen. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey it, it, it might as well throw it out there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> here's $50. How's that? And a nice warm <laughs> beer at the old antler here in Millwall. Yeah. Great. Uh, you, you mentioned the World Cup again, and I think that's a good pivot because you did get a chance to see a game in Qatar. And it's going to be here in November. And it is a World Cup that has been... Uh, uh, you know, a lot put on its shoulders by its own by its own accord, certainly with uh, a horrible human rights track record that some people are are arguing now about the numbers of whatever. But still, it's 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 a pretty unsavory topic to get into. Uh, there's corruption, bribery, you name it. And these stadiums. But, you know, I found out about some of the stadiums I was because I was kind of ripping Qatar and uh someone at this uh at this christmas party reached out to me go hey did you know that they are going to take those stadiums a couple of them and then uproot them and move them to africa where they can use them on a regular basis i go i did not know that i haven't double checked but i want to check that but i think there's some more to the qatari effort that 
these great stadiums, are they just going to sit there and collect dust? Apparently, I didn't know you could lift a stadium, but apparently that's a possibility <laughs> or they're built that way. But uh, they don't need all these stadiums, but it's a lot. And all we've talked about that World Cup is, you know, all this baggage that it's going to have to deal with. And uh, the arrival, how women, how LBGTQ uh, uh, tourists are treated there. You know, these are big issues that they can't just brush over. Now, that said, and I don't want to seem naive or uh, just distant to those things, because I think we've talked about them a lot. As it gets in closer here and we see the teams that are going to be participating and you get the idea that they're going to be playing all within close proximity and state-of-the-art venues, the idea of this Qatari World Cup and the fact that it's in Qatar, which kind of evens the playing field because we had one in Europe and all the European teams excel. So maybe it takes an edge. It's, it seems to me like we could have a real, a real incredible competition. We can, we'll still talk about the other stuff, but just the competition with the teams. Granted, I don't think as many supporters will be at the stands, uh, the diehards probably, but I think on the field, we can have something pretty special. Max, I think with this World Cup, uh, it's brought a lot of things to the forefront that maybe in the past people wasn't talking about. People were, it's not, it's not in my country, so I'm not going to... Yeah. Now it's going on to a stage of a, an Olympic, a World Cup, People are talking about it, and, and, and rightly so. And like you've touched on it, it has to be spoken about, and it has been in depth, but it still will until the first game. In the, and if, in if they pulled 21st. it, if they if they found something, and I'm sure there was, I'm not saying it wasn't, if they pulled it, I, I have a support. I didn't want the World Cup to go there. I was like, I was very uh, suspicious from the beginning, but you know, I'm willing to listen to what's going on there, and I got to I got to read more. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I got to read more. But I didn't want that, but it's it's here and it's four years or six years cycles gone by and it's not moving. So I mean, how are, I mean, how are spectators are supposed to enjoy it without, you know, even some guilt as well as even pivot a little bit from my previous question, if you can answer both of them though. Yeah. As I said, I think I answered the first one about people are talking about it and it's got into people's conversation and people are over the dinner table in a the bar. They're talking about it and even on news channels and sports channels. So it is out there. People are talking about it. on the other side of the event, what it's going to be, um, the stadiums that they've built, like you said, are going to be afterwards and a little bit like what happened in Brazil where they are having poverty everywhere, but the stadiums was bought and used for, for different events. There's one that the education centre that was one game that I was calling on. They're going to take 20,000 of them seats, put them somewhere else, and that then is going to be for a college and a school and a university for them to use. So it's going to be used for something, you know, in, in the high yeah. school area. What? And I think most people are on the impression they're just going to sit there. And I was one of them. And then I, 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 I had this conversation. I read a little bit ago. Well, that's not the case. No, and I, I remember going on vacation to Dubai when I was in the UK, when it first started to go over there, how it was getting built. The facilities are second to none. And now it's this big city. It's about tourists. It's about you know people having drinks in a hotel, in a bar. You know, their, their rules and their customs about drinking – it's in their country. You have to, you know, I've come to America yeah. and I have to abide by your laws. So I'm the same. I can't do what we do in England. We can do it here. It's, oh, it's we let everywhere. you do anything here. <laughs> that's, that's why I come over. <laughs> that's why, that's why I got thrown out of England. That's why I come over. But, you know, the, the games, I mean, the facilities that they're building over there, when we used to go and train in the winter after the FA Cups, we'd go over there a second and the climate, you know, people being able to walk to the stadiums, you know, women are going to be safe over there. They're going to be able to walk to game with kids. It's going to be the transport's going to be second to none because they know and they want to put on the show that the, the eyes of the world are watching. They're, they're watching through, you know, these lenses that they're ready to criticise whatever happens. So um, I think going back to what you said, Max, the, the spectacle and the, the actual facilities and the games are going to be marvellous. You know, the camera angles that we've got, the stadiums, the, the way that you can have, walk into the venue, the air conditioning trains are going to be able to get into it. It's going to be second to none. Money to them is no object. Uh, and they want to leave a, a legacy. And you, oh, yeah. you never get, you're never going to get away from the politics. You're never going to get away from that. But what I would say is that when people go over there, they're going to be safe. They're going to be well looked after. The hospitality will be there. Um, and, and that's really what a World Cup uh, that you want to go and enjoy yourself and be part of it. And uh, as I said, you know, the, it, if the Arab Cup is anything to go for, the atmosphere is going to be great as well. Sorry, I didn't hear anything you said because I, I just saw you in Dubai in your Speedos by the swimming pool. And that's all, you know, the, the whole. 
Well, it's, I've gone from speedos to bongs now. I'm quite into bongs. It's really hot. It's really hot. But well, that was actually a fantastic answer. And I think we we would be remiss if we didn't listen to the Qatari organizers and just give them a moment instead of just saying, look, everything's going to come out and there will hopefully be investigations if there were unnecessary loss of lives in the building of these stadiums. And I'm not saying there wasn't. I just don't know. But we need to have a dialogue. But there's things about this World Cup that uh, go on without should go on without question. The first part, I think, is the Middle East should have a World Cup. Everybody else has had one. So why the Middle East? No, I think maybe Oceania hasn't had one, but they, they're going to have the Women's World Cup and they'll get a Men's World Cup here soon enough. But every part of the world should have one. Where do you put it in the Middle East? I don't know. It seems like Qatar would be as good a candidate as any. And they're going to do everything in their power to make this as uh, as good of a viewing experience for the, the millions and billions that will be watching back home. Because we know that certainly it's going to be this uh, a select few that will be get to go to Qatar and see these games, as most World Cups are. But uh, I think there's also a possibility of something strange happening because it's there. And maybe it's, maybe it's the Qatari team goes on a run. Maybe an African team makes it through, which we didn't have before. And I'm here for it. Um, and Max, if a fan goes, and we, we showed it on, on Fox with it, you can go to a game in the morning and 25 miles later, you can be in a game in the evening. So rather than before when we was in Rio, where you could be Rio and then you've got to get into the jungle to watch England play Uruguay, you can actually watch multiple games. So if you're lucky enough to be there, you can you can watch multiple games. You know, when the World Cup was given to Russia, there was lots of questions asked there. When it was given to South Africa, sure. they were like, well, how can you do it? You know, you're never going to please everybody. And yeah. But ultimately, the South Africa was, apart from the Vuvu Sellers, was a great World Cup. <laughs> and then Russia, you know, you had a great spectacle there with the home team. You've touched on their guitar doing well. The Russians was able to get out the group. It got momentum. It got interest. There was fans being allowed to go and watch the game. So there was national holidays that was given by Putin so they could have the day off so they could go and watch a game. So that's what sports can do to different, you know, whether it's religions, cultures, beliefs, um, and hopefully, as I said, it can have a lasting effect in, in a, a region like the Middle East where I mean, they love their soccer. You know, as I said, when we go over there, they have practice games. They have the Formula One that goes in Bahrain. Yep. There's, there's all tournaments going on there, the golf tournaments that they have. So, you know, the, the game is blowing. And you know, you're right, Max. It's been to most nations and most continents over the world. And there's no different in the Middle East. Formula One and uh, golf and horse racing, which is a sports for the the average man, no doubt. <laughs> I'll just jump in our F1 McLaren and driver. Hey, like I, I get it. They have money, more power to them. So, but it's it's a very wealthy country, wealthy countries. So you get to, yep. to draw that. But soccer isn't every man's sport. So that's a breakthrough for sure. So we'll see that. Uh, maybe USA is a surprise or Mexico or Canada. We'll see when that comes around. By the way, uh, I know we've been covering MLS. Uh, we have the final this weekend. Who do you have, Portland or New York City FC? I'm going to go with Portland. Uh, Gio, I think I love Gio as a, as a person. I think he's a wonderful coach. I think uh, what really sits difficult with me, what Philly had to go through and New York just about got over the line. Uh, but yeah, I think with the Portland Timbers, that fans, I mean, it's going to be a great atmosphere. They built a new uh, part of the stadium as well on the other side. I just think being at home on the artificial turf with that fan base, Portland are going to do it. I picked New York City FC from the beginning and I usually go, I'll go with my pick, but I'm switching it too because they've had too much good luck. They've squeaked by these opponents where Portland's been pretty convincing. So they're playing at home too. It, it should be Portland. I think it'll be by a couple of goals. League MX, we also cover that. Leon Atlas, Atlas back in a final for the first time in 22 years. I was watching that and I was moved a little bit more than I thought I would be to see the reaction from the fans and the players, the coaches, just overcome with emotion. But I mean, Atlas, I was I was at Fox last year doing a couple games and they were in like 16th place. They were, couldn't score goals. It was just an ugly, ugly setup and their coaches coming and going. And now in an instant, what a great story. Now they got to finish it though. Yeah, I mean, Atlas as well, with the ownership that, that they have as well, that have gone back to them and, and gone big. And like you said, they've always been the underdog in their own city and they've had to grind their way through. So, uh, again, it's Liga Mex has given up, you know, Cruz all last year and you know, haven't won it for so long and a big club, they go and win it. 
I think what a fairy tale story it would be for someone like Atlas, where they've had so many years of being underachieving, being an underdog in their own city and their own place, and now having this opportunity. So yeah, it's that's what we love about the game because things can change and it's a great moment for them. And I was like you watching the game and people take their shirts off, the flags on the field, people running around. It was it was a special moment. Yeah. There was a few fans maybe going a little overboard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I flipped through the camera and I looked up and there was there was two women topless. And the camera panned back. I go, no, those women were topless. I could see it. It was a slow pan. I go, all right. Only, so, you, only you could see that. No, 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 I, I, there's no I way it was only me because it stood out. I and, never uh, and, noticed it. I never noticed it. I wasn't looking. You're probably getting a warm beer from the from the kitchen at that moment. I leave my glasses on. I leave my glasses on. Oh, my say. God. Warren, I was reading a couple days ago. It was late at night. It was getting blurry. And I borrowed my wife's glasses. I go, oh, my God, everything's so clear. So the time has come. The time has the come, time my friend. Set. Well, it only gets worse. It only it gets, gets worse. worse. I figured it doesn't go back the other direction. <laughs> no, Same with the hearing, up. right? <laughs> no, nothing goes up. It just keeps going down. Everything's going, gravity keeps pulling it down. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> There's still some things we can enjoy, including sitting and having a conversation about the game with you. There's very few people I enjoy sharing that time, Warren. I appreciate you joining me here on the podcast, and we'll see you very soon, perhaps poolside in Doha in the not-too-distant future. Always a pleasure, my friend. Look, look forward to it. Well, Warren Barton joining us here on the Soccer OG. You catch him uh, with uh, Fox Sports covering a variety of leagues. and The Arab Cup as well. We'll be back here with Stoppage Time. We'll talk about Don Garber's address of the league and what to expect from Major League Soccer moving into 2022. Okay. Hope you enjoyed uh, the interview with Warren. He's great. He's uh, always up for a laugh. And uh, we didn't touch on this. That guy in his playing days was the goods. He played on Newcastle United, which was kind of like the super team in England and had all the big stars, Alan Shearer, Tino Espria, and Alberto Solano. It was an incredible Gary Speed, the late Gary Speed. And uh, it was the most fun team to watch. And he was the right back. And he looks exactly the same. I know you couldn't see it there, but uh, uh, handsome devil. I would never say that to him while he was still here on the podcast. Time now for stoppage time. And I uh, did get off this the Zoom call this morning. It's the annual Don Garber State of the League address. And I've always enjoyed the time with Don and MLS having these conversations and this discourse where we were able to talk about it. And I am always amazed. I know some folks are critical, but look, this league under his watch has improved it. You always have to remind yourself how closely this league was to collapsing. And now there's money and there's, uh, there's investors that want these teams and they're paying an incredible price tag for it. There's a lot of work still to do. And there's a lot of mis directions that we have made here with the league in order to get it and we look we now wait for this big media deal and some people are telling me that it's going to be better than the 90 million than it was in the last it has to be but some people are saying it may not be that much that the money's gone with what's being spent on other leagues which is a shame because this is a league that you can really invest control because it's in your backyard so it's still, we need so much more work. We need to reach out more to the Hispanic audience, which we've done a horrible job of. And uh, developing the game in the inner city too. We've got to, we've got to work. There's a, but there's a huge audience. This is a growth sport. And uh, just before I go into that, you know, there was some discussion this weekend about the MLS team and the MLS game and uh, the quality of the broadcast from ESPN. And I will first say that ESPN's broadcasts are better than, the other Univision by a long shot there when they do uh, games in SAP and then certainly Fox's broadcast ESPN is the superior. That said, you could see uh, the shortcomings on this broadcast and that's the reality and that's not the folks working that. That's ESPN uh, using where they can fund, where they can spend money on their properties in different areas. And I've been hearing a lot since they got NHL back that they're spending more on the production of NHL. And if you watch the NHL coverage on ESPN, you can see that's probably the case. It really shines. That's a mistake. NHL is not a growth sport. There's not little pockets here in USA and Canada or Mexico where young hockey players are growing and developing. It's not a diverse sport. It's a sport that uh, you're going to hit the ceiling here very soon. 
Soccer is a different story. Whether you can find that audience is another challenge. But if you're looking for a growth sport, hockey and soccer, uh, hockey's not in the same ballpark. So uh, you have to deal a lot with the coverage of the sport. It's disappointing, but if we get all the help and we get people in power that know the sport, which we don't have, uh, I, how many times I've spoken to executives, uh, you know, because I'm looking, you know, maybe looking for work or talking to some folks, and they tell you so quickly that they're not a soccer guy. They, it's a badge of courage that I'm not a soccer guy. And they, de- they de- defer that power. That's insane. So uh, quickly about what's going on. So much on Don Garber. And this one's in a, a Don Garber love um, segment by any means. But I do like the job that Don's done. I'm an employee, so this is important to me. But uh, he obviously went over a few things. $4 billion in stadium developments. There were stadiums in Austin, Columbus, and Cincinnati. I've been to two of those three. I've seen the Columbus Stadium on TV. They're not cutting corners on stadiums anymore, which they may have done in the past. Um, TV numbers slightly on the rise, slightly. He did talk about the 1.8 million that tuned into a Thanksgiving game on Fox. That's an outlier. It doesn't indicate how much they're growing. But overall, he mentioned how the playoffs were up. So uh, that is very, very important, especially as Don Garber would mention going into a year with the World Cup is just one of the biggest years for this sport. And you need momentum. You need some energy going into that. He did say the media deal should be resolved by the first quarter. So we'll know. And that obviously applies a lot to me. New League MLS Next Pro, connecting the academies to the clubs. That should be part of the deal, the media deal, as will the League's Cup, which was going to be 80 games over one month. Don called it March Madness meets the World Cup. 80 games over that stretch. There's uh that's going to really be a nice feather for the uh in the cap for a team that wants for the league as it wants to sell this and they're going to have to split that obviously with Liga MX but you want to develop fans in Mexico too. That's a big thing. I did also like Don was talking about the supporters are the uh the biggest factor of this league and they have formed a bond to make the culture. And Charlotte FC which is going to come in next year is the 28th club, 40,000 tickets for their home opener. Austin FC have a waiting list for season tickets. New fans developing. This is the sweet spot. Other sports aren't developing new fans like that. Charlotte, by the way, the 28th club. St. Louis will be the 29th in 2023. And then he did suggest and he didn't lock it down. He said that it's going to be 30 teams in this league. But he said the same thing, I think, when we were at 24. So uh, there's going to... I would imagine they're always following the NFL uh, formula. The NFL has 32 teams, so I always thought that was the top. But we've got to stop expanding. But just so you know, the expansion brings big money, brings more money than anything else, brings more money than the media deal, considerably more money. But at some point, you've, you've got to top it off because there's not that many good candidates out there. We're talking about it, and it seems like Las Vegas, you know, it would have been, it's great to go to Las Vegas. It would have been great if we got there first, speaking of Major League Soccer. But now you have ice hockey, which was the first, the Las Vegas Raiders. Unbelievably, there's talk about the Oakland A's going to Las Vegas, which would just be crushing for the city of Oakland, as if that city hasn't had it bad enough. You know, they lose the Raiders twice, and now they lose the A's. Hey, they have Cal Berkeley football, at least. <laughs> that was a joke. And, uh, but then you have, all of a sudden, it's one of the best sports towns in America, where you'd have all big four, hockey, well, not all big four, you wouldn't have NBA, you'd have four of the big five, and yeah, I include MLS, and we should include MLS in that, because the money tells you you should. Certainly seems like Las Vegas is going to be in there. The other candidates that he mentioned were Phoenix, which I like, and then San Diego, which, you know, we had that Sacramento bid collapse because uh, of the funding, which was during COVID, which is really unfortunate. Uh, but where are these other markets that will come in? I mean, look, the South is saturated now. If, let's include North Carolina in the South, which we can. It's like the Atlantic states. But that area, which had no MLS clubs, now has Atlanta, Orlando. Uh, by the way, he also mentioned Charlotte's uh, exceeding uh, ticket sales at this point, more so than Atlanta United did. But Atlanta, Orlando, Miami, not the South, I know, but geographically, yes. Did I say Nashville? Charlotte, 
it's uh, it's pretty impressive to see what's going on. Then you have the the Texas corridor with the addition of Austin. So there, the width and breadth of clubs are pretty. By the way, I have a little sneaky one. I mean, there's some club people behind some clubs. Maybe you can get a lower division team in Mexico in a city that wants to be in the first division. Isn't this something that let's take a Morelia or Celaya, one of these clubs that aren't in the first division? Would they consider coming over to MLS and being an MLS franchise from Mexico? It's not crazy, is it? A lot going on to be excited about um, for this league. Uh, there was also mentioned about the biennial World Cup, and I thought it was interesting that Don Garber says, I don't believe the World Cup is the only driver for popularity for the sports. It dilutes the best sports event. That's what he said. He sits on the World League Forum, not in support of a biennial World Cup, and he wants to make sure that the folks that are pushing the biennial World Cup, Johnny Infantino and Arsene Wenger, are aware that stakeholders of the game need to have a say. This is interesting, and I, I, I don't want a biennial World Cup. I'm not fighting a biennial World Cup. If, as we spoke with Warren, they take other stuff off the table, which I don't know they will, but there's competitions, smaller stature that got to just go away. And you've got to limit the amount of regional tournaments you have. I mean, you would have the the Euros every two years still. You'd have the Gold Cup every two years, but you don't get more than that. But we got to give the players a break. But I'd rather have a World Cup than some of this other stuff, right? Some of these competitions were neither here nor there. Or maybe you do a split where you do the Europe, Euros and then you have the rest of the world. I don't know. But he said that and I like that he made that because not everyone in the top of their leagues are saying the same things. He was uh, gave a lot of credit. And I want to give credit to Anthony Precourt because his name gets, you know, rolls some eyes. But he and Don Garber said it was a traumatic process to bring it to Austin. But clearly that was a good move to take an MLS franchise to Austin. I've been to Austin. I want to move to Austin. I really enjoyed my time there. I'm going to go visit more often. I like music, everything about it. Excellent. And in the end, that move then allowed new ownership to come in Columbus. They have a new stadium and the Columbus crew won a championship last year. Nashville's going to go to the Western Conference. I was going to ask Don about will there be a more strict East and West in MLS with these teams. These conferences separated via the schedule and they rarely cross over, but I didn't get my, I didn't get to my question. We were on for like an hour. So we appreciate that. I was told there's about 150, 160 journalists. I don't know if I can call myself a journalist. I guess I could, but uh, I don't do anything on the written sphere, but video and audio, I'm your guy, right? Appreciate everyone listening in. I really do. The expansion will stop there. Uh, he also talked about how it was a vision to, to help get, he said, the league will not rest until Canada makes the World Cup. Well, Canada looks like it's on its way. And remember, there's three clubs in Major League Soccer from Canada. Can never forget that. And there are three really interesting clubs in their own rights. Montreal's gone through a rebrand. Toronto FC was the most one of the most successful clubs the last five, 10 years. And Vancouver... I feel the best is yet to come there. And Vancouver is such an interesting city. With uh, and They had a good year. They had a good year. And now the Canadian national team, with players from each of those teams on it, has come to the cusp of the World Cup. And the impression I'm getting from Canada, they're going to make it, and they're going to make every single one moving forward. So Canada is going to become a soccer country. It's another huge development in the sport that we have had here. But now we wait. We wait for the media package to fall we move on with our life invest in major league soccer pick a favorite team if you're listening it's worth it and there'll be teams everywhere i'm excited to see what charlotte fc i want to see more work for people like me not me in particular but people that are want to get in this for a profession but they need because i've said this about these and i've had these conversations already with people in big companies where they had these huge rights fees and then they cut corners on production or paying people it can't be that way these rights fees are just don't equate to the product. And let's be honest, the Premier League, and I talked about it last week, at $2.8 billion, yes, NBC needed something for their streaming service and to keep uh, fans' attention. But this property is not worth half of that. If that, it's not. 
Look at the numbers. Look what it's done. Look at the, the fans that it's going to. Maybe there's some growth here and there. It's also competing with a lot of other leagues. Now, we talked to Warren and the Premier League is going to grow. But it's just not. Nothing's worth this money. But I will say, if you can get MLS for, say, $250 million, maybe, hopefully more than that. Hopefully, that's a good deal. That's a good deal. Then again, I'm wearing my MLS hat right now. Not really, but figuratively. Please rate, review, download, subscribe to Soccer OG. I will be in Las Vegas. Looks like I'm going to have Eric Winalda, who has his own podcast, on the show next. We're also hoping to have uh, a, a very pro-Canadian show coming up to talk about the Canadian efforts. So all the listeners in all parts of Canada taking the Gordon Lightfoot uh, train across. But I, I screwed that up. What was it called? The I have his songbook remembered, but I sorry, Canada, I didn't mean that. I put a hatchet in that. But I love you. We're going to talk about that and move towards Canadian soccer and what it's going to be able to do in 2022 and beyond. The Soccer OG. As I always like to say, at the end of every show, Placido Domingo.